welcome to the Original Content Podcast. I'm Anthony Ha. I'm Jordan Crook. Hi, I'm I'm Brian Heater. You sound surprised to be here, Brian. This is uh, I, I'm actually just trying out to be the the next host of the Equity Podcast. <laughs> wow, some shade. Um, Anthony, I could have sworn when you were starting your intro that you were going to say, I'm Jordan Crook. I don't know why. Maybe it's because I always say I'm Jordan Crook. That's my, my goal, but I didn't want to tell you because I thought it would take you out. <laughs> so for people who have not listened before, this is the podcast where we review the latest shows and movies on different streaming services, and we also cover streaming and entertainment news. Um, Brian, you were actually on the show back in uh, October of last year when we were like doing uh, a bunch of recommendations for Halloween. Didn't we just discuss the Hellraiser sequels for two hours? <laughs> That's true. I think that was that was actually a really good episode. Um, but anyway, let's let's move into the news. Let's uh, let's start with Hulu, which is um, so they had a this event that they called the New Fronts. Um, sometimes they call it their Upfronts, um, and it's basically an event where they go in front of advertisers and they make a bunch of announcements about what they're doing in the hopes that advertisers will give them money. Give them morning, money, that, that they'll buy against the new content. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's not a charity. Right. Uh, right. Sure. We'll, we'll purchase advertising, which involves the exchange of money. Yes. Um, but so so there were some like kind of more producty, businessy announcements, including the fact that Hulu now has more than 20 million subscribers and that there are plans, I don't think that the timing is uh, super clear yet, um, that they will add an offline feature, which will include support for advertising. So, like, you'll download an episode, but you'll actually, it'll still include, have advertising in it, which I think was probably why it's taken them a while to add this. And then the n- other sort of piece of it was a, a number of different content announcements. Um, Mindy Kaling is going to be making a new version of Four Weddings and a Funeral. Um, Blumhouse is going to be making a, a horror anthology series with like a new standalone episode every month. And uh, I think um, Rami Youssef, this uh, comedian, is going to be doing a show based on his comedy. So sort of like a whole bunch of different announcements. Um, I feel like it's a good time to be Mindy Kaling because... Uh, I, I just saw a trailer for the new Ocean's 8, and she's in that as well. She's basically, like, creating her own fanfic of past movies and television series. She's also just awesome. Well, sure. I mean, it's never, It's to be fair, it's never a bad time. It's never a bad day to be Mindy Kaling. Yeah. Well, and I think people sometimes forget that, like, you know, before, obviously, when people think of Hulu and original content now, um, the first thing that comes to mind is The Handmaid's Tale, but sort of one of their big initial high-profile projects was picking up later seasons of The Mindy Project, which was started out on network TV and then moved to Hulu. So, I mean, she has this existing relationship with with Hulu, which presumably is how Four Weddings and a Funeral came about. I assume one or both of you have seen the movie Four Weddings and a Funeral. I, I don't remember much about it. I've seen it, and I remember very little about it as well. I don't remember it at so all. It, this is, it, was this a thing that people were clamoring for, a, a reboot of Four Weddings and a Funeral? I do pe- feel like people reference it quite a bit, to be honest. Also, uh, you know, Four Weddings and a Funeral, so that's, uh, what, you get five episodes out of that? I like the idea that the first season of the show is five episodes long, the first four episodes each being a wedding culminating with the funeral at the end. Yeah, it, I think it's not something necessarily that you that 
that was sort of crying out for a remake, but presumably this is, you know, something that Mindy Kaling wanted to work on, so it, it seems, um, you know, I feel like I'm, cu- I'm curious about it at least for that reason. Maybe it's better to reboot a thing that's been out of the public consciousness for some time where, you know, you can really make it your own. Yeah, I think there's something to that as opposed to just, like, horror franchises coming, you know, like, never really dying and just continuing again and again. Or, for example, as I mentioned before, she's in the new uh, Ocean's Eleven reboot, but the last Ocean's Eleven sequel wasn't really all that long ago. It's nice to kind of let things, you know, simmer for a little while before coming back to them. Right, although I think the uh, the Ocean's Eight movie technically is... is a sequel as much as it is a reboot because it like takes place in the oceans 11 verse still so <laughs> yo i'm excited about that yeah me too is sandra bullock's character is is her last name ocean is she related to danny ocean what's the yes okay. so she's george clooney's uh sister who was never mentioned <gasps> i assume in the originals amazing that's correct because she's been in jail but this isn't some weird thing like how, where julia roberts played julia roberts in one of the sequels that I mean, I, I you know have not seen the film, but what you haven't seen the films? No, no, I mean I haven't seen uh, Ocean's Eight, so I can't say exactly. You do seem to know a lot about it, though. Yeah, well, I mean, I you know read the Wikipedia page. Okay, well, I'm excited about Ocean's Eight, even though that's not what we're talking about. Um, and I just recently, so I watch them all the time. I own them on iTunes and all that stuff. And uh, Maria had never seen them before, so we went through all three of them in one day, like a few weekends ago. And they're amazing. It just was a pleasant reminder that Ocean's 8 is coming up. Anyway, I'm happy that Mindy Kaling is doing well. That's the update. Mindy Kaling's all's good. She's kicking ass. What else do we have from Hulu? They Oh, and they renewed uh, season three of Handmaids. Right. I forgot about that. That's right. I mean, which is like not surprising, but, you know, it, it's obviously good news. Absolutely good news. I mean, I'm still a little scarred from the episodes I've seen thus far of Handmaid's Tale, but I'm ready to be scarred again. That is a troubling way to put it. I'm ready. Um, Brian, are you a fan of Handmaid's Tale? I, I have not seen Handmaid's Tale yet. I, I don't have a Hulu subscription. What? We can remedy that for you. You need to see Handmaid's Tale. I think it's important for all of us. I have seen all of Mindy Kaling's episodes of The Office. Yeah, of course. Who hasn't? You're like, I, along with 300 million other Americans. <laughs> the Office... The Office is a work of art, though, and we should always appreciate it. I, I've only seen, like, the first... What? <laughs> season. Sorry. Why do you always do this to me? I'm sorry. You're like this cultured content aficionado. Yeah, the first season was six episodes, man. It was like a miniseries pilot thing. Like, you don't even know The Can we Office. talk about the things that Anthony chooses to spend his time watching? I don't know how often this comes up on the podcast, but he recently admitted to me how many times have you seen justice league twice just twice okay how many times have you seen suicide suicide squad once okay those are fine movies to see as many times i don't as think you that's want, true honestly. but he no listen brian he recently admitted that he watched the first and last episode of battlestar galactica but none of the middle and the same for lost 
Like, what kind of psychopath does that? That's fine, but I I don't think that justifies... That's not fine. I don't think that justifies this statement, Suicide Squad is a fine film to watch as many times as you want. I never saw Suicide Squad. I just know it has a following, and if people want to watch it more... Like, I don't care what your guilty pleasure is. You can watch whatever you want as many times as you want. I'm not going to judge you. But don't ruin content that I love by watching the, the bookends. Like, that doesn't... Do you feel that your enjoyment of Battlestar Galactica has been lessened by the fact that Anthony has only seen the first and final episode? No, no one could ever touch my love for Battlestar Galactica or how much I enjoy it. But you're doing yourself a disservice. Like, I hate to see people in pain, and that's essentially what Anthony did. He put himself in pain, put himself in a place of ignorance, and he disrespected one of the greatest works of our time. And I'm not okay with that. I think that's that's all completely fair. Um but I, I, you know, I did what I did. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. I can only apologize so many times, Jordan. Yeah, you could remedy it by doing the right thing and watching the whole series through. I can tell you where Here's to find what's gonna it. Here's what's going to happen. Anthony's going to feel guilty. He's going to go home. He's, he's going to start the second episode of Battlestar Galactica. And then he's going to remember that he hasn't seen the new Justice League movie in a couple of months. So he's just going to go back and watch that instead. I think this all sounds completely accurate. No, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to do a Battlestar Galactica episode. And you're going to have to come with a full breadth of knowledge that I expect you to have. Well, I guess it'll be like, you know how like for like several episodes, we had a thread where Jordan was just updating us on like finally watching the Star Wars movies. So we'll we'll make that like the the new thread is Anthony updating us on you know uh, where he is in Battlestar Galactica. I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that somebody who hasn't seen any of the Star Wars films until fairly recently is not in a place to critique someone who has not watched all of Battlestar Galactica. See, I was just gonna let that sit there. I wasn't gonna like get into that, but I mean, yeah, it doesn't have any. It doesn't bear any relevance. They're very different. I just think, like, Brian hasn't seen Justice League, and he's giving me shit about seeing it twice. I mean, he doesn't know. He might love it. I watched League. it over someone's shoulder on a plane, so I feel like I'm in a really good spot to critique Justice League. That's, that's the equivalent of first and last episode watching. Yeah, you're throwing oil on the fire, and you have no place here, Brian. You're new, okay? Like, this is a squabble between me and Anthony. A blood feud, almost. I'm actually, I feel like I'm actually, honestly, like, genuinely getting worked up, and I think we should just pivot. So, what, what do we want to talk about next? We'll come back to Battlestar Galactica. Trust me. So, the next piece of news is about Amazon Prime, which I actually didn't realize this until I finally subscribed to Amazon Prime a few months ago. Wow. And they have, you know, um, well, so you can sign up for HBO through Amazon Prime, but they also just have a library of older HBO shows like The Sopranos, um, just, you know, just for any Amazon Prime subscriber. And apparently that is going to end. Uh, I don't think they've given a specific date, but but the idea is that HBO is not not going to renew that deal. And and so all you know, if you were using Amazon Prime to catch up on The Sopranos, you you can't do that anymore. Wait, when does it end? Now? No date given. It's not it's not totally clear because I think originally Amazon was saying it was going to be later this month, and then they're like, oh no no no, that's not quite true. But then the the CEO of HBO basically said, well, we're not renewing the deal, though. So at some point, not determined, it'll disappear. In other words, if you're watching your old school HBO through Amazon Prime, you need to get after it. 
How did you not have Amazon Prime until recently? And did, did you get it specifically for the content? Yeah, I don't buy that much stuff from Amazon, so it, huh. it's not really that useful for me. I, I, I use the content stuff like like vastly more than the free shipping. I feel like this is original content, colon, judgment edition. Well, I think that's the subtext of a lot of our episodes. Okay, so Amazon Prime is getting rid of your HBO shows. That's really the bottom line here. That is correct. So either buck up and get yourself some HBO or race to the finish or give up on the shows that you should probably watch just to be a cultured human. Or just find uh, someone with a password. Yeah, because remember HBO, Richard Plepler, I believe is the way you say his name. He said like a couple years ago, we don't really care how much password sharing you guys do because we're in the business of creating addicts. Oh, yeah. I have my ex-girlfriend's dad's password. HBO Go password still. My sister has like everyone's password but her own for all kinds of TV. I get a call from her pretty regularly being like, well, what's the password for this again? I'm like, I didn't even know you're on there, but it explains why they're shows viewed that I have uh, no interest in. It's almost worth giving out your passwords just to see all the weird crap your friends and family watch. Yeah, or like disturbing. Depends. Wait, what was the weirdest thing that you found on there that you hadn't watched yourself? Um, I can't really recall. Let's just leave it at that. My sister and my mom listen to my podcast, so I'm just gonna... They watch totally normal stuff. <laughs> I don't, it's not It's not like it's weird or creepy. It's more like, uh, you know, like there was one on there recently. It was like most luxurious hotels in the world or something. And it's just like, that's something I would never watch ever, you know? And I'm always like, what, who, why is that on there? And then I remember, oh yeah. My sister's on there. I bet she was watching that. Oh, I almost exclusively watch uh, documentaries about cults and serial killers and Nazis. So if someone Yo, were Brian, to have you hack seen into Wild my Wild Netflix Country? account, of course I have. Did you like it? Yes. I haven't finished it yet, but I started it and I found it really interesting and odd. I'm just saying, if you had never met me and the only thing you knew about me were the things that I watched on Netflix, then um, you probably would want to meet me. But otherwise, I'm a pretty nice person. Yeah, you definitely don't creep me out. All right, let's move on. All right, so the final piece of news, which is not really streaming related, but it is entertainment related, and I know Brian is very excited about it, is what we do in the shadows, which incidentally, I I believe is still available on Amazon Prime. Um, It's a comedy from uh, Taika Waititi and Jemaine Clement, and it is going to be made into a TV series for FX. So, Brian, I I assume this is something you're going to watch. Jordan, have you seen what we do in the shadows? No, I don't know at all what you guys are talking about. So let let me ask you a question. Uh Uh-oh. Do you like jokes? (laughs) I already answered that question. I do like jokes. Do you know who Taika Waititi is? No. I'm Googling. He did the the latest Thor movie, which is the the best Marvel. Oh, movie. you're speaking my language now. No, you're not. He did he did a movie called Hunt for the Wilder People, which is also wonderful. Probably his best movie. Very good and very funny New Zealand director, and did a mockumentary about a bunch of vampires sharing a flat together. Um, it's uh, it's very funny. It has J- Jermaine Clement as uh, as Anthony mentioned, who is one of the Flight of the Concords. Okay, yes, I know Flight of the Concords. So they're making a television show of this movie that you haven't watched. <laughs> cool. I mean, uh, I'm cool for you guys. I think the other thing that I'm I'm happy about is just the fact that I, I wasn't sure if like 
uh, Clement and, and Watiti were going to actually be involved, but it looks like they're at least uh, writing and directing the pilot episode. So hopefully, or, or actually maybe the, the whole series. So, you know, I, I, I like the idea that it's not just going to like some random people. I mean, I don't know that the movie was so successful that a studio would just <laughs> want to make a TV show anyway, but uh, I'm excited that like if they feel like there's something more to be done with it, then like okay like i that was not a movie that i watched and said this needs to be a tv series but i trust them it wasn't a movie that you watched it felt like needed to be a tv series but it it's it's certainly something that i think you can spread out over the course of a television series that isn't going to be that isn't going to feel forced i guess the other thing i wonder was that there was a period where they were talking about making a sequel that was going to be focused there was on going to be a werewolf movie right called called werewolves which is so good it's so stupid so I really want that movie to exist just because of the title. Um, so I hope this doesn't stop that from happening. I think there's a lot to be done in the Watiti-verse. We need to stop using verse for everything. Maybe we don't. Maybe it's just like my pet peeve. Let us know, listeners. Uh, should we move on to our review of The Rain? Yeah. So so this is um, a Netflix series. Uh, went live today, May 4th, as we're recording. Um Oh, happy May the 4th day, everyone. As the resident Star Wars expert, I feel like it's my duty to wish everyone a happy May the 4th. Like, it's funny because everyone was, before I watched all of the Star Wars movies, everyone was making a big deal about Solo solo Story um, and how, like, it was going to be trash and, like, you know, everybody was really worried about it. It's not working out. Like, can he pull off Harrison Ford and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, haha, you guys are so worried and so dumb, you losers. And now I'm like, I hope it's and now good. Now you're a loser. Yeah. <laughs> I hope Ron Howard came in and fixed it, man. Now you're the queen of the losers. I am. Well, I've always been queen of the losers here at TechCrunch. But... You know, my favorite thing is about this, about Solo so far, is that in the latest and I, I guess final trailer for the film there's a, a teaser at the end about whether Chewbacca is going to be killed wait that's not about whether he's gonna die right no there he's like he's like he can't die he's in the future well he is he, well I mean to be fair it's Star Wars so it's all a long long time ago uh that said like there's like a cliffhanger at the end of the final trailer where he's being like held out the side of the spaceship and his head almost like slams into a rock is that how spaceships work? I have a lot of questions about this. I bet you his head doesn't hit the rock, though. Yeah. Based on the fact that he major is spoilers later. on this episode of original content. <laughs> Based on the fact that he is in later, well, in earlier production, but later chronological episodes. That was hard to get out. It's confusing with Star Wars. Yeah, but you got really it. Jumps around the timeline. What's the life expectancy on a Wookiee, Anthony? I feel like this is a thing you would know. Well, there's a joke about that in one of the trailers, right? Where he yeah, he's he's like 109 in that. Uh... I think I think it's yeah, even more than that. I'm I'm, I'm googling Wookiee lifespan. I'll tell you right <laughs> now. I'm gonna tell you right now. Chewbacca will never die. When Star Wars is done, and Chewbacca will be in the final final scene. Well, and they've recast him. It's it's a different actor. I think who oh. was in the suit in in Last Jedi. And, and then in this. Well, so the original Chewbacca, as everyone knows, is is Peter Mayhew. Um, as everyone knows. <laughs> okay. I interviewed once and have gotten, have gotten some spam from at one point. I think his, I think his inbox was hacked at one point, so I got some <laughs> Peter Mayhew spam. 
but 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 uh, the the sci-fi stack exchange says that uh, Chewbacca is two hundred and thirty years old in Episode Seven. That doesn't that doesn't really add up though, right? If he's one hundred and ten in yeah, no, I think it's story. more like the he's towards the end of his uh, his second century there. In, in yeah, uh, four hundred. They live to be four hundred. That doesn't make any sense. If he's 109 in Solo Story, he's like, whatever, 170 tops? No, like not even. Like one. I think he's more like, yeah, one like 180 or 190 in Solo. What are you basing this on, Jordan? If he's 109 years old in Solo Story, and it's when Han Solo is like a 20-something, and then Han Solo is like what? late 30s in episodes four five six i'm 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 doing the the hard research right now let me get back to you okay so no you're right so he says he's he's 100 and he's 190 in solo story oh okay well then that makes sense yeah okay all right we're good here all right all right bef- just one last thing i wanted to ask i feel you. like i feel like after this conversation Chewbacca just aged <laughs> if if you were to just guess right now do you think that solo is going to be a good movie jordan Start with you. Um, what, do I want it to be, or do I expect it do to you, be? Do you expect it to be? I expect it to be a fine film, but not like my favorite Star Wars film. Like I expect it to like I expect to go see it, watch it, and be like, oh, I had a good time, but like not be like thinking about it for the next three days. Yeah, I think that's my expectation as well. That it'll like it's not going to be disaster despite all the behind the scenes drama, but it's not going to be amazing either. I don't think Ron Howard is capable of disaster. Ah, uh, yeah, I'm trying to think. I, I I haven't seen so many of his films that uh, I've I've heard that the the what do you call it the Dan Brown adaptations are pretty shaky, but I guess also maybe like pretty entertaining. So maybe that doesn't even count as a disaster. Yeah, I probably haven't seen like his full portfolio enough to say he's not capable of disaster but i have a lot of faith in him i guess uh i this is probably going to be the first star wars movie that i don't see in theaters you're not even gonna see it i'll solve i'm sure i'll be on a plane at some point or on whatever disney controlled streaming service we all have in a year or two from now i was uh i've i've slowly been weaned off of star wars by the the most recent films what um also the uh, the 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 trailer to the new solo movies makes makes it look like a fan film. It it looks terrible. Okay, but what about Donald Glover as Lando? I mean, I feel like everyone's excited about that. Yeah, he's. I feel the same way about Donald Glover as I do about Ron Howard. Is he's, and what's her he's face fine. from Game of Thrones is in it. What's her name? Anthony. Uh, Amelia Clark. I take back everything I said. I didn't realize that Ron Howard directed Cocoon. So my expectations are very high. He also directed Willow, which is a, a film that I loved as a child. Have you seen it recently? Does Willow hold up? I doubt it. I doubt very much that it holds up, but I have not seen it recently. So let's focus in on this rain. <laughs> okay. Right. So this series, as as we've discussed on prior episodes, the conceit <laughs> literally is killer rain, which, and, and the, um, the slogan um, on the poster is stay dry stay alive and the the assumption was that this is just incredibly stupid and silly did you guys think that that was what the show was 
Yeah, but the the killer rain the killer rain really they they kind of they get that out of the way in the first episode. But do they? I mean, here's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, I think that there is, an despite how crazy it seems, what was the movie that I that I compared it to? Do you remember the name of it? Uh, the, the, Star Wars. No, no, the Anthony, the movie that with Mark Wahlberg where the plants revolt. Oh, uh, the the happening. The happening. I I like compared it to the happening when we first saw the trailer because I was like. I mean, it's an actually scary movie, but then in moments where you're supposed to be scared, it's like wind blowing through the grass, and you're like, oh, shit, you know, the bad guy is coming, but it's really just like the plants, and you find it all really stupid in those moments. Like, the rain, the more I think about, like, the rain spreading this virus, the more stupid it feels, but I actually am, like, genuinely curious as to how the rain got that way and like unfolding that mystery like they're peeling away at it in every episode um but we still don't quite understand like what happened there um so i i am really curious about how the rain is carrying a virus or whatever it is um and i think like you know the pace of the show moves along pretty well um the actors are fine you know um I mean, they, they don't speak English, so it's it's hard, it's hard to, say, to tell right? how great of actors they are. Yeah, exactly, because we're reading subtitles. Um, but yeah, I, I I think it's fine. Like I I'm not I'm not like crazy about it to where I'm like oh I have to binge this whole thing immediately. But I did like knock out four episodes in a very small window of time, so like it captured my attention long enough for me to get deep into it. I guess. I I enjoyed it. I'm I'm not. Um... I'm not super versed in zombie or post-apocalyptic television shows. I, I haven't really watched the, the the Walking Dead. I assume that this is very similar, very similar in yeah. nature to that. Um, it, it's the conceit of the the program is very similar to like any number of post-apocalyptic television shows or movies. Um, Anthony, you meant you mentioned uh, the the Danny Boyle zombie movie. At yeah, twenty eight days later. Where, 28 days later when we're talking about this there's certainly like elements of uh the road where they're just kind of wandering around um but it, it it's compelling somehow and in a way that i can't really put my finger on i think the first episode of the series is at least thus far i've seen the first three is as far and away the most action-packed you think the um, first is the most action-packed yeah as far as uh i mean anthony, anthony you and i were discussing this earlier there's a moment about you know, 20 minutes in, that's kind of terrifying um, as a really sort of setting up the plot. Beyond that, it's, um, you know, there's there's some time spent in the bunker and then they're essentially just kind of wandering around. There's a lot of interpersonal relationships between these apocalyptic survivors. I wonder if they're going to be zombies at one point. Um, I'm not really sure where it's going from here, which I suppose is one of the things that makes it compelling well there's just like a lot to unravel i think that's what's that's what i love so much about like post-apocalyptic um content like movies tv shows whatever because like even in most cases the the showrunners or filmmakers do a really good job of like okay you know the rules in this world but you don't know how those rules came to be 
And I think the rain is doing a pretty good job of like showing flashbacks to the point where you have more questions. Like the key to a really good television series is to have more questions and get answers at the right pace. And I think they're doing a good job with that. Like there are certain things that we don't understand yet. So like one instance is that like the rain hits, we've seen this in the very first episode, you see this, so this isn't a spoiler. If you're out in the rain, when it happens, you pretty much die instantly like within a few minutes but we've also seen people who are infected that seem perfectly normal for a time and then all of a sudden they're not so normal or whatever so like what what's the deal with that like what does that mean that they were infected by someone who was in the rain and how does that happen if people die in the rain so quickly like there's just like i just feel like there's a lot of questions you know what i mean and there's like obviously a conspiracy about how the rain got infected or whatever that we don't really we still haven't gotten to the bottom of although we have like hints toward a certain someone um and i just the questions are what what gets me you know and i just like i need to watch just to figure out what the hell is going on here you know it's not necessarily like any particular character that i care a lot about in fact i'm i'm kind of like against the two main characters rashness <laughs> and um simone it's a it's a brother and sister, a young brother and sister who went into the bunker when they were both young children, stayed in there for about six years. And then kind of the show, the episode two starts with them, you know, having aged after being in the bunker for however long. Um, it's like a less funny Kimmy Schmidt. <laughs> yeah, much less funny. Although you don't speak Danish, so it could be hilarious. <laughs> yeah, maybe. You know, when I first put it on, it it did it do this with you guys? It had like um, English voiceover. Right, it was dubbed. Yeah, they dubbed it like, and Netflix was like, "You stupid American! I'm gonna autoplay this in English." And I changed it because, as Anthony knows, I love learning new languages from television shows. I'm essentially Danish now. So you didn't even need the subtitles by the time you were done watching. No, yeah. Right now, I've been watching it without subtitles. I'm just like, yeah, of course. Although it's funny, is like that they're speaking Danish, right? They are, um, except. The, the one thing that jumped out at me is they have the same F word we do. They have a lot of the same words we do. Like, it's shockingly, this is like Germanic-ish, you know? And so there's like a lot of things that sound pretty similar. <laughs> English like, is so English is so ubiquitous in the world right now. I think probably they adopted some of our words, including potentially our swears. But yeah, it's like interesting. You can actually hear like full sentences every once in a while. You're like, oh yeah, I know what you just said. I also I also enjoyed in the first episode that um, the sort of establishing shot prior to all of this going down is all of these kids in uh, what I assume is the, the Danish equivalent to a high school. And it looks exactly like a Mentos ad. <laughs> yeah. Well, and there's like this like incredibly cheerful music, which I mean, also the music choice in general for this show is like this. There's a lot of poppy music, some of which I recognize and some some of which I sort of think I'm am I supposed to recognize this is that you know like and it, it often sort of not badly placed but sort of oddly placed so it doesn't quite have the same feel or rhythm of an American show yeah not a huge fan of of the music the soundtrack thus far um, it just it does feel like a little out of left field a few a few times in a row and it's not I'm not sure if that's because we don't quite like that they're trying to underscore something that we will like that we'll get the payoff for later, you know, or it's just poor choices. Unclear. 
Anthony, you, you strike me as somebody who's seen multiple seasons of Eurovision. <laughs> no, I just watched that one YouTube video of the uh, the epic sax guy over and over. <laughs> that, I'm I'm not kidding. That's that's basically my exposure to Eurovision. No, no, I I I I know you well enough to to believe that that is in fact true. Um, the so is is the rain is is the deadly rain a reoccurring thing? It's certainly something that's that's present. It it's sort of like an airborne toxic event in the first episode that sets everything in play. It's clear that there's some degree of fallout from that as well but is this is this like is this a, a werewolf situation wherein every single time there's any kind of condensation it it automatically murders people yeah it's really unclear like what's the water situation they they had a they like purified it at one point or something yeah they distill it yeah they distilled the water so i guess they can if they're careful they can use the water um like puddles are a big issue. You couldn't swim across a river, obviously, because it would have rainwater in it. I just, I'm like pretty lost by the whole. Yeah, thing. and and that was because when you were talking about wanting, hoping that some of these questions about the world building will get answered, I think certainly there's some things like the origin of the disease that you know the show it wants to treat as a mystery that will presumably get answered either this season or further down the the the, the road. I think. There are also there are just some basic inconsistencies that I think are just because they're not very careful about this stuff. Where yeah. I think the characters, the level of danger keeps is very inconsistent. Where they seem really calm about the fact that it's going to rain like thirty seconds from now. Um, in some of these later episodes, like oh yeah, I guess it's raining. I better go inside. Whereas you know you compare that to like the full out panic of some of the initial rainstorms or just other things involving water, where it seems insanely dangerous and everyone yet doesn't you know that, that like they don't actually like how dangerous the water is how quickly yeah. you get infected seems very inconsistent there are a couple of shots that are just like they're not even parts of scenes or anything but just like establishing shots where you'll see someone standing under a covering like a foot back from being in the you know in the rain and the rain's pouring down I don't know about you, but if I've ever stood under like an awning in New York City and it's pouring rain, I still get hit by the rain. Like there's still like little splatterings, etc., that hit you. You know what I mean? This is Danish rain, though. It's it's very neat. It goes straight down and it doesn't it doesn't invade the covered space. Yeah, but they're, they're just like casually standing there and looking at the rain, and I'm like, yo, if this does what I think it's supposed to do, <laughs> I'm standing further back. You know what I mean? Like, I'm I'm airtight. I have. I'm dry. I, have a, I have a bit of a concern moving forward that uh, the, 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 this, the kid's name is Rasmus. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. That, that he's going to become almost sort of like a Christ-like figure in the show. Yeah, I think um, so too. There are some suggestions in the first episode. I think that these are things that we can discuss without getting too deep into spoiler territory. But um, the the father who essentially abandons them in the fallout shelter is play some sort of larger role in all of this and there's the um they hint at the fact that he's injected the son with some kind of serum so you know i suspect at some point there's going to be a reveal and perhaps involving the rain wherein the child stands unaffected yeah i think probably something i almost thought there's like a scene in in episode two involving Rasmus and water, which I thought was setting that up, but then it, it goes in a different direction. Um, 
and it, it's interesting because we were talking about sort of like how it's similar to to zombie TV shows and and films and and certainly you know 28 days later which we mentioned I think feels like a very very heavy influence um, both in terms of like the kind of post-apocalyptic landscape and and also just like that the, the treatment of of like that the idea like one drop can infect you and like and is like absolutely terrifying um, except that I think in that movie they actually you know treat it very seriously the whole way through rather than like they're you know kind of going back and forth about how dangerous it is but I think the other like kind of genre it seems to have a little bit of as well is is sort of this like young adult post-apocalyptic uh story where yeah. it's about these two very special children whose parents for kind of contrived plot reasons disappear and and so you know and that they're like the ones who can turn it all around right it's like i think in a lot of you know zombie films it's kind of assumed that really there this is the world that we're living in and you know that, that the people we're following aren't necessarily that special they're just trying to survive in this landscape whereas in the show there's definitely this implication that these two characters are very special and could um, potentially... have the potential to turn things around. Yeah, like some yeah. level does of effect, hope. Does the fact that the the lead actress bears a slight resemblance to um, uh, oh, I'm blanking on her name, Jennifer uh, from The Hunger Games. Oh, Jennifer Lawrence. J- yeah, Jennifer, she's got a she's got a kind of a Jennifer she's got Lawrence J Law feel to her. Yeah, a little bit. Maybe I so I did look up. We probably shouldn't like look too deeply into this because it's quite possible that the showrunners didn't care about this at all. But the name Simone means one who hears, like listens or hears, and the name Rashmus means beloved. Huh. Yeah, maybe maybe they thought about that because they you know needed to come up with a name anyway. Yeah, I mean, Rashmus definitely is beloved. I mean, his sister would clearly do anything for him. Um, I don't know how much one who hears plays into things, but is this is this a case? Is was this a show that was uh, that was picked up by Netflix? Is this something that's been running in Europe for a while? I think it aired on it says Danish web television on Wikipedia, um, and then so it's one of those things where it aired somewhere else, but it's a Netflix original because Netflix, you know, is is carrying it exclusively. Um, presumably, you know, U.S. and and maybe worldwide. No, it looks like, it looks like it's a new show. I mean, a, again, according to the, uh, the the unimpeachable folks at Wikipedia, uh, production on the series began in June of 2017. So, th- this may actually be a first airing. Oh yeah, okay. So I, I, um, I, I think you are correct that actually it's a Danish series. But it was made. It was made for Netflix. So, so we were wrong. <laughs> that's. I, I mean, that's really interesting. I, you know, I, I usually when these happen, when there's a series, particularly one that's um, not just made in another country but in another language, you just assume that's because they picked up an old television program. But this is kind of an interesting approach to actually have an original series shot uh, and distributed by Netflix be in Danish. Right, and I think Netflix actually has been doing more of that, although um, mostly I think that's been been show, shows in Spanish, or at least that's the the stuff that that I've you know seen news about. Um, but but I think that Netflix, you know, a lot of their growth strategy right now is international, so it it makes sense that they would do you know make make something that they think will do well, presumably in Denmark, but then also has international appeal as well. 
are are you going to continue watching the series beyond this first three or four episodes? I think so, partly because it's only eight episodes in the first season, so it'll be pretty... Yeah, if it was like 15 episodes or something, like I would probably say no, but I'm... I think I'm... I finished four episodes, so if I can do four, I, I don't see any reason why not just to finish the next four, you know? I ain't got nothing Anthony, to do. Anthony, do, do you think you're going to watch the first four episodes and then take a break by watching Justice League? No, I'm going to watch the first four episodes and I'm just going to jump ahead and watch the last one. <laughs> okay, okay, one other thing I wanted to talk about with the show, though, is um, the the cast, and I guess, or maybe more less the cast, more like the characters, because I do think, um, and, and I think we were all sort of alluding to this, there's this situation which we, we shouldn't get too detailed about because um, it would get kind of spoilery but there's a situation in the first episode um i think you can spoil the entire first episode yeah because even in the trailer you see that there's a group of like seven or eight of them so i feel like we can talk but about i think we, i think we bit. can talk about this without getting into the details which is that there's a there's a situation where simone has to make you know this very uh she's make this kind of sudden decision right in this in this very intense scene and she makes a decision that goes very very badly and I think all of us felt like that was obviously the wrong decision. Um, and that really made it hard for me to care about her at all. To have confidence in her is like, I mean, I, I know part of it is that they're supposed to be kids and they're like trying to navigate this very different world. But and that's like day of the crisis, too. So it's like they're under a lot of stress. Yeah, and so I understand why you would act that way. I think it just, there's like a part of my brain, um, and I think that's true for a lot of people, when you, when you watch particularly a, like horror, is that you kind of put yourself in that situation and you want characters who are smart and kind of behave the way you would rather than saying, oh, I'm just going to like wander off on my own or, oh, I'm just going to like, you know, if somebody knocks, I'm going to like open the door or whatever. Yeah, like, like, oh, I heard a weird noise in the basement. I'm going to go check it out. You know, it's like, ugh. I want to defend her for a second. I think, I think, I mean, I think you're right. And that was my first reaction as well. But I think there's actually a decent motivation here in that um, they're all in the shelter and the father has left pretty recently. And then there's a knock at the door. So she has a suspicion that he's come back. And if he's locked outside, there's no way for him to get in. Yeah. But like, honestly, you got to know better. Like he opened the door for them to get in in the first place. Like there's no reason why he would knock at all i just i I don't think it's a completely un i don't think it's a completely crazy motivation as far as these sorts of things go especially as anthony said in in horror movies here's my thing if you're gonna put so when we first meet these two characters simone and rasmus they're both young rasmus is like a small small boy and she is like a teenager 15 or 16 and there's something where if you're gonna age these characters which they do rapidly and then they're going to be our, our main heroes, heroines, whatever. You can't put them in a position. I get that they aged and we're supposed to be like, oh, they, you know, they're wiser now or whatever. But like put them in a position to make a dumb childlike decision. And then in episode two, we're supposed to trust Simone with all the decision making. It's like, no, man, like <laughs> I don't trust you with the decision making. She, she didn't have six years to, to stew in those thoughts, though. Yeah, and she does. I mean, and, and shortly thereafter, she makes another decision in a clutch situation that pays off handily. So, you know, 
there's clearly, you know, like there's there's opportunity for faith to be restored. I do think it's interesting that in a larger band of characters, I still don't quite know who to trust. And that's another thing that I'm talking about when I say like questions and answers. There's now like six or seven characters that we've gotten to know a little bit. And we really can't figure out which of them will act in our our best interest as viewers. Like who is going to save the day who is gonna cause more problems like for an for for a show like lost in space for example right like we are pretty clear on who the bad guys and the good guys are and that's been clear from the second we meet them essentially whereas this one is a little less cut and dry like you know any one of those those main people could could go bad i feel like and it's 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 good that's a good thing I think that's true, although I think there's like some characters are definitely painted more aggressively negative than than others. And so if, you know, there's some characters who seem more sympathetic and maybe they will still turn in that direction, but it'll feel like more of a twist than like with one, at least one character in particular, like, oh, yeah, that guy's definitely an asshole and is going to be like an asshole for the whole show. Yeah. Or but maybe not, though, because like in the episode I just saw the guy that the whole time I thought was going to probably screw things up and be like too aggressive or violent has like shown a deeper layer and like a level of sensitivity that I didn't really expect from him. So, and the, and the first guy that I ex- expected to be like a really bad guy instantly went like hypersensitive and I'm like, Oh no, you're no threat at all. So I really, you know, I agree that some are painted in a, in a more deceptive light maybe, but I think it's anyone, it's anyone's game at this point to be the villain other than the rain, of course. Rain's got that space covered for now. Uh, so I mean, they do, they 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 do, uh, you know, they do a good job of presenting all of these people ba- as you know, basically one-dimensional character cliches. The first time you see them, there's like the cool dude and the bad girl and the leader and like the guy who's obviously the nerd. So it's pretty clear that they're going to play on that. And there's a lot of good opportunities over the course of this to put people through some interesting moral quandaries. Obviously. Every single thing when you're in a situation like this is life and death. I mean, you know, the the way in which they first encounter this group of bandits is they're, you know, basically going from shelter to shelter foraging for, for food. And then, you know, obviously there's the idea of the pathogen potentially spreading and, you know, who do you save? Who do you leave behind? You know, at, at a certain point, somebody who contracts the disease is basically a lost cause so yeah i mean there's there's plenty of opportunities for that um at the moment i i suspect that it's going to be very much like the walking dead moving forward and that it's just a series about people walking around i think right now they're trying to get to uh to sweden well i i mean i feel like yeah, that's definitely a concern. there's so far there's like still some there's a lot of walking but with like a plot direction but if yeah if this wraps up in one or two or you know, three seasons, then I can imagine there being plenty of plot to fill up all those episodes. If it gets stretched out the way The Walking Dead has been stretched out, then I could imagine it getting fairly tedious, you know, pretty quickly. Well, I mean, there's, they have such, they have such a, like, compact little world we're working in right now. Like, right now we're in Denmark, and we don't know what's up with the rest of the world. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of expansion I, th- I think the fact that it is a European show is actually working in its favor. Um, you know, I, uh, my understanding is that in a lot of those countries, probably most of those countries, they don't have the same sort of um, studio 
pressure that they do here. I mean, you know, if you get a hit show in the United States, it's kind of on you to keep it going for as long as humanly possible, which my understanding has been uh, one of the one of the big issues with The Walking Dead in recent seasons is, again, it's hard to keep that going for so long. But if there is a very definite story arc and a plan to keep it going for two to three seasons, then, yeah, I think it could wrap up as a nice, neat little show. Right. Although I, in the defense of The Walking Dead, I, I suppose that's also true of the com- the comic is still going, too. So it's not like they've they've run out it, that that, you know, that that's unprecedented. Sure. I mean, I suspect that they probably have similar pressures in the, the publishing industry to keep that going for as long as possible. Is are is are are the original creators still involved in the uh, Walking yeah, Kirk, Dead? Com- oh, really? Yeah, Robert okay. Kirkman. Um, I think part of not to go too deep in this tangent, but my understanding is part of the selling point for The Walking Dead was to say, look, all these zombie movies, they show you like the beginning of the apocalypse, and then usually they end in some note of like everyone dies or in a little note of hope. But all you see is this tiny glimpse of it. Like, what's interesting is the idea of what if you actually saw like years and years of this zombie world. So in that sense, it's sort of the idea of going on for a while is kind of built into the to, to the concept. But obviously, there's some commercial reasons to do that as well. It's definitely hard for me to imagine caring about these characters much longer than eight to 16 episodes. In the rain, specifically. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I will say I'm very glad that they, they did do that time jump and they got rid of the, the younger kid. Um playing Rasmus and, and they replaced him with an older actor who I mean I think actually like they look similar and he and he still has this kind of childlike quality to him so I think he's he it doesn't feel like a total disconnect but also I thought the younger kid not necessarily because of the actor maybe just because of their conception of the character was just very annoying and I'm very glad we have moved on from that although although one of the downsides of that is it's this weird thing where he has you know, they, they recast him. And so obviously he's changed a lot over the last few years and she doesn't change at all. Yeah. I mean, he was, how old was he when he went in though? I mean, that that's, that's like, I would guess 10 or something. Yeah. Yeah. So t- 10 to 16 is much more formative. I would suspect than she was probably what, like 16, 16 to 22. Yeah. I mean, that that's understandable, but you still age a bit. So it felt like, I mean, it, it, you know, you just sort of accept it, but there's definitely a moment when they're like together, like the first time you see them together on a shot, you're like, oh, I, I guess that's what we're, we're doing. Okay, sure. I, I can go with that. I think there's a, there's an opportunity to do some, some storyline around Rasmus, like missing puberty in a lot of ways, like not missing it, but like, you know, he's probably way more naive than your average 16 year old and then the people he's he's around i think he's got a bit of a love interest going on and i think there's 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 stuff to unpack there you know what i mean like he was trapped with his sister in a bunker during an age where he was probably like you know oh yeah and they were like spooning yeah yeah exactly Which, the, I, so there's, there's some, some weird yeah, there's stuff some, to to yeah, for sure dig into there for sure Although I think that's one of the other sort of young adult components components where I think they're not really going to dive too deep into how like fucked up that would probably make you. I don't know, though. I mean, there's like there's def- there's there's a pretty sexy sex moment in like the second or third episode of the series. Second episode. Yeah. And there's also like some some stuff about like if you guys had been in that bunker for six years, you'd be crazy by now. Like they, they reference it a few times and, and it certainly seems like at the end of their bunker stay, Rasmus in particular is getting very 
restless in there. Yeah, there's there's a veiled reference to it where she's she, she she's basically shaving him, which I mean there's a, there's a lot to unpack just in that in and of itself. There there's a weird moment, and I, it might have just been that like I turned away and stopped paying attention for a second. But uh, in, in the first episode, she tells him that they're going to leave the bunker the next day, and then like just as that's happening, they're invaded. Yes. Well, I think part of that is because she she had gone up, uh, you know, gone above ground already when she decided she'd like went on an initial expedition. Which and that's what prompts the invasion. That. Yeah, exactly. It's it, but it's definitely a case of like nothing happening for six years and then everything happening all of this all at once. Yeah. Well, they had to grow them. That kid is not worth having in a show like this. It's just dead weight. <laughs> you got to you know what I mean? You got to get him to where he can be worth something. All right, so so predictions for the show. Is there going to be a real Walking Dead element here? I mean, is, is there going to be a zombie component to this as well? Or is it just going to be a bunch of people, you know, basically fighting for their lives? I don't know if we can call it a zombie component, but I think there will be, based on, like, what I've seen so far, I think there will be, like, an element of not knowing for sure whether people are sick or not. Right. That, that there's already been hinted at this this sort of like paranoia of like, oh, my God, have you been infected? Have you not been infected? Which is a very, again, like sort of a zombie and especially 28 days later thing. Yeah, exactly. Like, but like m- normally in those movies that like happens pretty quickly, like you're pretty aware of it immediately. And I don't know if it's because like in that one scene where the girl's walking down the street, like you don't know. It's really unclear. It might be because he's viewing her from a distance or something, but like. It was unclear that she was sick, but then when other people got sick, they were, like, instantly downed, you know? Like, what... I just... I need to know what, how it all works. I really do. I hope they dive into the mechanics of this disease. You don't think it's going to be, like, 28 days later zombie style in no. the way that people who get infected essentially become Morlocks? No, I don't. I think it's going to be more about, like, the... Um, I think it's going to be more about, like, unpacking how it... How the disease got started and what the solution is to fixing it than it is going to be about, like, I think more more probable than, like, zombies being people who are infected and are running wild in the streets trying to, like, eat other humans, it's going to be people who are hungry are going to end up being the, the zombies. Like, p- desperate, hungry, starving people will, are just as dangerous as zombies. You know what I mean? Like... They will, they'll hurt you. And we've already seen that, you know, play out right. in a couple, couple scenes. There's this, yeah, there's a scene that's shot like a zombie scene. There, there's, there's one thing I think that we should touch on really quickly that we haven't before, which is that the, the, there's an interesting tech element in all of this as well. Um, you know, obviously, like, they go into the bunkers. There's, there, there's essentially these these iPads in there that play a big role. There's, there's some interesting, like, smart home stuff that happens at one point. But my favorite part far and away is in the first episode when this horrific death rain outbreak is happening and she's watching it on Facebook live. Yeah. Oh, and then they do a lot of emojis. That's like the thing that made it feel like very uh, contemporary. Well, it's, it's, I mean, it's essentially Facebook live. So if you've ever watched Facebook live um, while something's happening, people, you know, can, will do like the likes or the dislikes or the happy faces or, or mad faces and they do an interesting composite on the screen where they overlay what she's looking at on the device. And you can see, like, 
all of the people watching the horrible death rain happening and yeah and all these these like horrified emojis popping up right these like frowny faces <laughs> yeah. yeah it's like i better insert my reaction i mean I, I hope i hope i hope that like i hope that continues to to, to play a role i mean you know obviously there's like well it's also unclear like where did all the technology come because she's on a regular smartphone and using facebook live meanwhile whatever this Apollone company is obviously has some very high tech stuff. And then there's also that third party that we haven't quite identified yet, but they seem to be the bad guys. They call them the strangers and they have some really advanced technology. So I'm just like curious about the, the arc. Well, there's also an interesting aspect of, you know, contemporary post-apocalyptic, movies at the same time which is um you know everyone being super reliant on these smartphones um i assume if the end of the world happens you probably lose cell service yeah in most cases i would assume so right and i'm trying to remember now because i think there's definitely a plot point that revolves around her getting cell service again but i don't know that it's ever sort of addressed in this way that definitively says cell like that at some point it's actually restored is it? I do. I like the idea that the rest of the room was just like, "Yeah, screw Denmark." <laughs> like, every, every, everyone's just moving along fine, and they're like, "Yeah, it's just Denmark." All right, I think we've 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 overstayed our welcome. What do you guys think? <laughs> I agree. Okay. Um, so, I, the one thing I want to leave our viewers with is, if you decide to watch The Rain, and it's perfectly fun, um, and you know, it's not like a great TV show, but it's it's a fun show. Do watch it with. Danish and you know if assuming you're an English speaker with English subtitles do not watch the dub version because it, it's very silly when you watch the dub version yeah it like started off that way and I was like what is happening right now <laughs> it just like didn't even make sense definitely watch the Danish version with subtitles I do like you you saying Anthony though that that the, the dub version of the killer rain television show is silly <laughs> hey it's not that bad we thought it was going to be awful. Like what we said about it, like when we when the trailer came out and we had our our podcast that week, we talked about it like kind of extensively given it was just like a 30 second trailer and we shit on it like hardcore. Like we just didn't want anything to do with it. And then last week, Anthony was like, why don't we do the rain next week? And I was like, oh, God, OK. And it's actually fine. Like it's like really not bad compared to the way we were talking about it. I think the one downside of it is it seems like a show that would be good to have just kind of on in the background, but you obviously can't do that with subtitles. I guess you can do that with the dub version. It's true. And that's it for this week. For those of you who made it to the end of the episode, I just want to remind you that you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts. You can also leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on pretty much any other podcast app. And I should mention that Brian Heater has a podcast of his own, R-I-Y-L, in which he interviews people from music, from comics, and other cool folks. So you should check it out. Thanks for joining us, Brian. Thanks, guys. Thank you, guys. See you in two years. See you next week.